Hey guys, hope the week's going well. Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Adulting Like a Mother Father. This week is brought to you by our friends at Drew Coffee and Kinder Beauty. Uh, we have an amazing guest on this week as well. Those of you might know him from Instagram as the Gut Health MD. We're talking all things gut health, which really is all things whole body health. So uh, sit back, relax, or baby, keep it pushing. The daughter and Gio, our little man, and Daniela. I don't think an entrance is needed. You probably know the voice from all the time on Nickelodeon. He is a nothing like a mother, father. If you got a son or daughter, it could be a lot of we know. She ain't gotta be the mother, father. You could be the son or daughter. This is still the right show. Yeah, we'll meet you where you are in your life or your car. If you need or you're far, you got a cat or a dog. Good vibes or a problem in school or got a job. We just want to know who you are. So we can say thank you for listening to Adulting Like a Mother, Father. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yay! Welcome back to another episode of Adulting Like a Mother Father. I'm Daniela Monet, the mother. And I'm Andrew, the father. And we're both Hit adults. And if you're an adult or just trying to be one, this is the show for you. Or at least we think so. That's the goal. I think so. Um, How you doing, Andy? I'm good. I'm good. It's another, uh, it's a beautiful Monday, day that we're recording. Uh-huh. Uh, it was another day waking up at 5 a.m. I'm feeling good, like life is changing and moving in the right direction for me. Happy to hear it. Thank you. How are you doing? Uh, not as good. Okay. <laughs> not as good. Dum, dum, dum. Um, well, considering that I just came from a, a lab to try and get some blood work done because I've just been feeling a bit off lately and no, as far as yesterday, it is confirmed. I'm not pregnant. Um, but I was starting to feel like Had you off. teased that at all? Or is this no. the first time you're saying anything about that? No. Like, did you talk no. about this on your story yesterday or something? No. Okay. This is a, this is a in the Just know. Just random. No, this is a no. Well, I'm saying I'm, I'm feeling off. And if you say that, sure. some, everyone's going to assume. Can we, just pa- can we just talk about for a moment that this girl decides to, this? she's this person. This girl decides that she needs some uh, blood work done. Mm-hmm. And uh, rather than just going to like, okay, this is the way my mind would work. Like I either call my doctor if I have a doctor and get in and see him, or I just go to an urgent care and say, hey, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling X, <laughs> Y, and Z. Like, I guess I'm really hoping that we can do some blood work and just make sure like the basics are all good. This girl feels that stuff mm-hmm. and then goes to a lab say, hey, lab, can I get some blood work done? No, it was called Lab Corp. Right, but they're no, probably the ones that actually... a lab. Do they actually draw blood or yes, do they dude. just process the... No, okay. no. I looked up on Yelp. I said blood work. Mm. And then I just looked up local places that do blood work. This was like a branch, like in a little office that okay. did blood work. Okay. And it had a lot of good reviews and I have a fear of needles. And so when I read some of the reviews, <laughs> I just want you to know, just for context sake, that I'm not, you know, I thought about this. They said a lot of good things about this person who get, who draws your blood. Okay. So... 
I went the extra mile and didn't say you needed a reservation or anything, but instead I went online and I literally set up my whole account. I gave them my insurance information, requested the blood work, made an appointment, went to this little place. It was like a tiny little, tiny little office, like something that we would rent just to sit there and use our computers. Okay? Sure. And it was like in like almost what felt like a residential building. So I was like, am I at the right place? But I get in there and I said, hey, I'm here for my appointment. Um, And she said, do you have a doctor's note or like a whatever referral? And I said, no, I just I honestly just been feeling a bit off and I wanted to get some blood work. And she looked at me and she goes, do you think you're pregnant? I said, no, I ruled that out yesterday, but I've been feeling off enough to just like want to know if there's something wrong with like my levels. She said, "Okay." Well, um, we actually need you to have a doctor's note or you need to like pay the entire fee to do this and you're going to have to fast and whatever. Long story short, I have to come back and do the blood work. So TBD on that. But here's what's even funnier. This is a total side note. She looks at me after that and she goes, I've drawn your blood before. Now, keep in mind when you listen to the bulk of this episode, you're going to learn a lot about how I feel about just medical stuff and how rarely you'll find me in a doctor's office. But the fact that she said she drew my blood before, I was like, wait, what? Of like the five times I can remember in my lifetime and most of those being while pregnant. She's like, yeah, at West Hills Hospital. She goes, I know this because um, at the time you were really young, but like you were on TV. My girls knew who you were and all the nurses kind of like knew because Victorious was on at that time. And so I just, I, I, I drew your blood. I was like, what? What a small world. I mean, that's not far from here, but it's not close. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, so to answer your well, question, right, I'm, I'm I'll, thriving. I'll, I'm still hung up on, on the reviews for the, for the lab, sure. for the blood work lab. Sure. Because in my mind, like, who leaves reviews for blood work? You know what I mean? Like, unless it's like a, a shitty situation, like a, a very bad draw. Oh. Do you leave a positive review? I'm sure they ask for reviews. I don't know. I'm not a review. I mean, I'm it's not, not a, really like a, a reviewer. Are but, you? I'm I'm not. But when I think about it, like, it's not a bad thing. I think it's great that people take the time to stop and write a it's positive amazing. review. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, I owe one to Dr. Joel. <laughs> I was doing one and then I was doing it on my phone and got pulled away from the kids or whatever and I just didn't follow through. But I want to I want to start being better at it. I just always get fucked it. up doing reviews because I think too much. Like oh, We know. Like I want to make sure I hit every point to make sure that anybody else reading it in the future like really understands <laughs> <laughs> what my experience was like. They you should. Know? Well, that would defeat the purpose. I was going to say they should pay people for reviews, but that wouldn't work because no, they, they wouldn't be honest. Yeah. Oh, really? That happens. Yeah. Oh, because it is really helpful. Like, if you're going to be super honest, whether you're getting paid or not. For sure, but there's all these little uh, bots running around, oh. leaving reviews and stuff. So it just makes it all pretty clunky. I gotcha. All right. Okay. So we did. So we did. We didn't do blood work today. No, we, we didn't. Got to I'm going to come back for it because I have to fast. And there's actually what I thought was interesting. There's actually women's specific blood work. So they're going to check my iron levels and check my blood count and. Um, something in regards to like thyroid and all. What these are things. you feeling? So I feel. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like I feel this like heaviness. Like my my head is like too big for my body. Like I feel like my equilibrium's a little bit off. And I, you know, what's interesting is I started feeling like this around the time that the smell of the house was bothering me. Hmm. And it's very. It's actually very similar to that. Like feeling off like in every sense of the word like super tired sometimes like very lethargic even and i'm not like laying down and sitting down but like i want to be mm-hmm. um not able to like focus like short short like spurts of like thoughts like to the point where i left my blood work and i didn't know where i parked the car and i was only in there for maybe five minutes 
mm-hmm. like little things, like completely not checked in, like really hard. And I had that huge presentation for a project that I'm starting and it was 20 pages of just like full explanations on each slide. And thank goodness, like there was no video on because I was, t- I was literally having a conversation with myself. Like you got this focus, read the bullets, like listen. And I got the gist of it. Like I'm excited to get involved, but like, wow, I just learned a lot about myself. Didn't thrive in school. Got by because I was really good at like making friends with my teachers, mm-hmm. but nah, not, not the most focused kid in the class. Right. Well, that's why you left and you didn't really like be in a class, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Anyways, we got a great show for you guys today. I was going to ask, like, is any of this stuff, like, could our guest for this week help with any of this stuff that you're feeling? I, I thought about reaching out to him, but I want to get my blood work back so that I know if I am deficient in something, which, like, this is all, like, fairly new to me. I feel like I'm on it, and I haven't been as on it in terms of, like, my supplement supplements and my nutrition lately, but I feel like we're starting to, like, come back to all that. So hopefully I see, like, some changes by myself, but... Um, but I want to reach out to, to Dr. B. And, yeah, no, yeah. I know he's happy to help. Spoiler alert, Dr. B guys, we've got, uh, Dr. B back on the show this week. We had him on the podcast probably Gosh, a, a year ago, ago maybe yeah. longer. Uh, he's also known as the gut health MD on Instagram. Uh, that episode was one that was really loved. Like he's always full of so much insight and like really, really cool knowledge. And he's doing a lot of work to help people, um, in the gut health space like and it's crazy when you learn more and more about how much the health of your entire body revolves around your your gut health so true it's not something that like i feel like is common yeah like it's just crazy i don't know what i'm gonna say <laughs> this is my brain answer. sure sure no, same boat don't worry about this at least this part's written for me so i can just <laughs> spit this off here guys um we so we're gonna rush this episode out to you. We just recorded. He actually came out and saw us, and we sat down and recorded in person, which was awesome. So cool. Um, but we want to get this out because um, he is hosting a five day summit starting March twenty eighth for anyone who pre orders his new book, the Fiber Fueled Cookbook. Uh, guys, this book's gonna be rad. His first book, Fiber Fueled, is awesome. I've read it myself. Like it's a great great read um so for anybody who's interested make sure you check it out and you're going to get access to this five-day summit um during the five days he's going to have leading experts teach you yoga positions how to make a sourdough starter and approach to (laughs) healing trauma lessons from the blue zones and the secrets of optimal gut health basically it's going to be awesome and it's i'm just going to say right now making a sourdough starter is hard work. Have you done it? No, but I heard during the <laughs> pandemic time, a lot of people were trying, they were all making bread, but sourdough was really hard to do because every time I'd ca- call someone who was making bread, I'd say, can you make some sourdough? And they'd mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the yeast and all the things, like I can't. So I, sure. I want to tune for in sure. for, for that. <laughs> you lost me at starter. <laughs> uh, okay, guys. So this, this thing's going to be awesome and it's totally free if you pre-order his book. Um, so just head to theplantfedgut.com to claim your free ticket to the event. Whether you stop what you're doing right now and, and sign up or do it at the end of the show. Again, it's theplantfedgut.com. Dot com and I'm sure he's got all sorts of stuff about it on Instagram. It's at the Gut Health MD. So let's just not wait any longer and let's jump into the combo. Yeah, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with Dr. B. More adulting like a mother father when we come back. 
What's up, guys? I uh, just quickly want to show some love to uh, something that's really close to my heart, and that is Drew Coffee. I started Drew Coffee back in November of 2020 with the idea that I wanted to um, basically like paint my passion in a coffee company that I could share with you all. Uh, and it's been a lot of fun. But to be really transparent, like there's been so much life outside of that happening that, uh, you know, and it hasn't always gotten the love that that I've wanted it to get. But that's all changing right now. I've been doing so much work behind the scenes to really make this what I want it to be, uh, which is special. And we lead with coffee first. Like we, we only want to send you guys exceptional coffee. Um, but then second on that list is sustainability. And the goal with Drew Coffee is to literally set the example of what sustainability looks like in the coffee industry and just in business in general. I think we're doing a lot of amazing things um, to head down that path. And I can't wait to see you know, how far we can push these limits. So if you've tried Drew already, um, thank you so much. Like we love all the amazing feedback. If you haven't, and you are a coffee lover, please give it a shot. You can get 30% off your first order at drewcoffee.co using code adulting. Um, yeah, head there now and let me know what you think. And now back to adulting like a mother father. All right, guys. So we have Dr. B, Will, uh, at the Gut Health MD in the building with us for the first time. You're actually our first guest in our, our new little shared office space, man. We're so happy to have you on. Um, we were talking a lot before we jumped in to record, and you were sharing like so many amazing things with us, specifically like how your life has changed 100% like in the last month. Mm-hmm. So first of all, welcome. Thank you. Happy uh, to be here. And Congrats on the book. Thank you. <laughs> it's so incredible. Cool. My first book, Fiber Fuels, came out in May of 2020, and that was the last time that we all connected. Yeah. And um, and that was a New York Times bestseller, and it, it has now sold, I mean, basically 200,000 copies, Amazing. which is insane. And still plugging along at, like, there have been times where I don't look. I step away for a little bit because it gets unhealthy paying too close attention. <laughs> and then I come back, and I'm like, wow, like people are still buying my book. Thank you. And I got a new one coming out um, on May 17th, the Fiber Fields Cookbook, which I'm super excited Dude, about. That's we can talk about rad. that later. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely want to jump into that. But every time you start talking, I'm just like, geez, all these things are popping up. 200,000 copies. Does that does that blow your mind? Was there ever a day in your life that you thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a book and I'm going to sell 200,000 copies of it? I don't know what I'm doing here. (laughs) I mean, this is incredible. So, you know, this has just been a journey. And I think for me, what it really comes back to, like I I now look back on this because this is about a 10-year journey for me. And I look back on this and go, how did I even get to this place? Because I'm a very type A. I'm a planner. I always have a five-year plan. And I think it's going to happen. And then, like, I end up in a room with you guys, and we're recording a podcast, and it's really cool. Yeah, so. I'm glad you have a plan, though, because we have no plan oftentimes, and so uh, it's because of you that we're here, so thank you for that. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess for people who haven't heard my story before, I just, if it's okay, I'll take it from the yeah, top. Please. Which is that if you went back 10 years ago, I was in my early 30s, and I was in my medical training. And the, um, the rigorous lifestyle that I was forced to lead to be, a, to, to be a part of that took a toll on my body. 
And we were talking about, Andrew and I were talking about how we were high school athletes, right? Like I was a high school athlete. I played three Amazing sports. high school athletes, right? <laughs> World-class high school athletes <laughs> that did not play sports in college. <laughs> and um, so, and you think of yourself that way. And then you wake up one day and you're in your early 30s and you look in the mirror and you don't like the person that you see. Yeah. And you're 50 pounds overweight and high blood pressure, high uh, cholesterol, tons of anxiety, low self-esteem, like super low self-esteem. And it did not matter what was happening in my life. I actually had great things happening for me professionally. Did not matter. I hated myself. Right. And I needed a change and I knew that. So I tried to do the guy thing and like exercise my way out of this. I was like, if I exercise enough, then I'll get the body that I want. I'll feel good and I can eat whatever I want. And it did not work. And I went hard, like six days a week, 45 minutes of strength training, uh, and then jump in the pool and swim if it's the summertime or get on the treadmill and run. That's crazy. It was, it was basically a religion at that point. I mean, I was like, cause uh, you know, again, I'm like a super type a, so like when I line up this goal, I'm going hard at it. Yeah. But like I could get stronger, I could run further, but I did not lose the gut and I did not restore sort of the energy or feel like the, the man I wanted to feel like. So anyway, my life changed. I don't know if you guys knew this. I met my wife. Oh yeah. You told us and she was vegetarian. Yeah. And so now we were on a first date, right? Like we're just like out at this place in Carborough, North Carolina called Acme. And I'm ordering up the pork chop, right? And my wife is like, okay, this pork heavy menu is not going to work for me. She's just like discreetly to the, to the waiter, hey, can I have like, you know, right. some beans and some collards and some, and this and that. And so anyway, but like I looked at this person and I'd never been around anyone who was even vegetarian, let alone vegan. And I look at this person, I'm like, she has control over her health. She is absolutely thriving. She is cleaning this plate. And after we're done, I have to go home and put on sweatpants and like groan on the couch because I have a hangover from our food. And she's like ready to go for round two at the date, mm -hmm. you know? And so it opened my mind. I started to change my diet and I just made small incremental changes. It was not like a radical thing, but these small incremental changes started to add up. And next thing you know, like the weight is melting off my body. The blood pressure pills go in the trash. My self-esteem is surging. My anxiety dissolves, goes away. And I'm feeling like the man that I should feel like in my early 30s. And so this was so radical for me because I'm a medical doctor. I trained at great institutions, Georgetown, Northwestern, the University of North Carolina. And my uh, doctor's bag, if you will, was filled with pills and procedures. And that what I was trained to do at these great institutions with full respect to them was not going to fix the problem that I was having. I needed to do something that was outside the scope of my education. So this inspired me to educate myself on the role of diet and lifestyle. And then I brought it into my clinic and people were having radical transformations before my eyes, except maybe it wasn't their weight. Maybe it was their irritable bowel syndrome or their Crohn's disease, you know, or their, their acid reflux. And so as I'm having these one-on-one -on -one encounters, it's like, yo, people need to hear this. Like, this is not enough for me to be in this clinic by myself 
no matter my reputation in town, even if I'm recognized as the best GI doctor in town, I got to get the word out. So in 2016, I did something that was very uncomfortable for me because I am not a social media guy, despite what you see on the internet. And I started my Instagram account and there was a lot of humility in there. No one cared. (laughs) No one cared about what I was saying. And, uh, but then the breakthroughs started to happen. I had a podcast go viral in 2018. Then I got a book deal. Then I write that book and I so wholeheartedly believe in it. And I put like literally a year of my life into writing this book and boom, the pandemic hits Mm. two months before my book is coming out. Rich Roll calls me up, says, I want to, I would love to see you, but I have to cancel. Right? Like all these things that were supposed to be the backbone of my book launch dissolved. And, um, well, anyway, I just pivoted and I was like, I need to get this book out there. So I just figured out my own way to do it. And the book made the New York times bestseller list. Now it's 200,000 copies and the like attention that has come from that has been insane. I'm sure you guys can relate to this. And, um, so I feel like that mission that like really started with trusting my instincts and like putting um, value on trying to help other people as my priority and putting that above opportunities to make money. Because there were times where I was offered money and I turned it down because I didn't feel like it was consistent with what I was trying to accomplish. And what's amazing is that that has created this like surge of enthusiasm that has been so overwhelming that I got to a point where it's like, I can't be a full-time medical doctor and simultaneously be the author and the person who's trying to impact millions. Mm -hmm. So I made a tough decision and I decided to leave my traditional medical practice where I was taking call. Like I wrote two books taking call one out of three days, like literally 24 out of every 72 hours, I was on call Wow, doing this work. And um, I made the tough decision to leave that. And I just did it on February 15th. Oh, wow. This is recent. And now focusing on these things, focusing on books and my courses, and also my relationship with a company that I really believe in, that we could perhaps talk about if you want what to. What is it? Which company? Um, so they're called Zoe. Mm. And Zoe is a personalized nutrition company. So the issue is that Andrew and I were talking about this before is that, you know, at the end of the day, like there is no one size fits all. And we can look at clinical trials and look at the average result that a person has, but like none of us are average Mm. and none of us are going to like definitely get the exact average result. Some of us are going to get a better result. Some of us are going to get a worse result. It's the personalized nature. Sure. So we need a way to make our recommendations personalized and not just be talking about here's the average way to do this. Sure. That's interesting to me. So I, I kind of want to go back just a bit because um, obviously you are incredibly educated and passionate and all of these things. And for some reason, I think something that like I'm always interested in learning a bit more about is why it takes individuals to have like in the medical field to have this realization to then 
take everything they know and kind of like throw it in the trash a little bit. Like, why aren't these practices and why aren't your beliefs implemented into the education system before we get to this point? Like, why aren't doctors preaching from the rooftops that there are other ways of approaching everyone's conditions? Yeah. Well, so I think this is a great question. And first of all, what I would say is that I wouldn't go all the way to the point of saying that I'm throwing it in the trash. No, yeah, of course. Instead, what I would say is that I, I, I feel like the conventional healthcare model makes a huge mistake by not acknowledging the importance of diet and lifestyle. How can we not acknowledge that? Like as a gastroenterologist, when I'm talking to people about gut issues and they eat three meals a day that cause pain, how can we not talk about diet? That's crazy. Did, right? did I tell you about my condi- what would happen to me when I, I was like – 14, 15 years old, I was like in the the height of just work and like crazy hours. I was a kid and like thrown into a lot of stress in an adult world. And um, a lot of things uh, happened around that time. My parents were going through like a divorce. I started having a bit of an eating disorder to just, I felt like I was the only way I can control things. I I was vegan and went vegan, um, which also was a form of control, like around food. Um, And what happened with my gut was I was seeing a GI, I was seeing a nutritionist, I was seeing all these things, right? Um, but my doctor at the time, because I was stressed and I was having um, IBS and I was having digestive is- issues where I couldn't actually go to the bathroom probably because I wasn't eating enough or whatever else, they put me on um, Zelnorm, Miralax, eventually like my body, and then Senecal and then um, all kinds of other stuff, right? Right. Um, eventually, like I, I had what they called a floppy colon where like I just wouldn't, I wouldn't go to the bathroom. So I had to be hospitalized and I had to be like put on some sort of drip to like, and colonics and all these things went into play at that point, like a lot of stress on my body. But I ended up having to take what was ne- like at one point called like an illegal dose of Zelnorm, which could have given me a heart attack, which is why I lost like 30 pounds in maybe three or four months. Um, yeah, almost like died from that. Yeah. So you guys at home can't literally see my face, but I am like disturbed by this story that I'm hearing right now. So then I never saw a doctor ever again. I still to this day, like don't even really have one unless it's like dire need because I had such an extreme like fear of medicine and things like that because i had like lawyers reaching out to me like i hear that you they upped your it was i forget what it was like six milligrams twice a day of zelnorm which now is not even available right anyways yeah that was my experience so yeah so to to talk through this like there there are a lot of people unfortunately who have an experience like this and this is what i see as being one of the major flaws of our healthcare system is that we need an integrated approach that includes things beyond just yo let's like load this girl up with pills until she poops, mm-hmm. yeah. which is effectively what they were doing. <laughs> pretty much. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty scary. But the flip side though is also true, right? Which is that to um, ignore the power of what we have learned with all of this research through these years to completely ignore that would be a mistake as well, right? Like to go completely natural and say, I refuse to acknowledge the healthcare system, right? Sure. I refuse to work with doctors, but we need, we need to bring it together. 
Yeah, no, I know. I, I'm I'm being extreme. Like, of course, I and I've said this before, like, even just recently after having kids, like how much appreciation I have for the healthcare system because I had to have an emergency C-section. Like, there are things that I, like, never expected happen to me. And essentially, like, my life was in their hands and I was in – I'm eternally grateful. And for right. just birthing my children, like, bringing them into the world safely. Like, I have the utmost respect, but I do feel like I have a disconnection around certain elements where I just – I don't know. Like, I, I wish that there was more integration between the two worlds. It's completely understandable that a person has what I would describe as a traumatic experience, right? At a time in your life where you did not need additional trauma, you had enough trauma in your life. Like, your system was getting shocked on a daily basis by all these other things. The last thing that you need is the place that you're going for respite, the place that you're going to, like, feel better about what's happening is actually making it worse for you, right? And <clears throat> so it is completely like understandable that you feel the way that you do. In no way am I saying that that's the wrong way to feel. I think what I'm saying though is that at the end of the day, we're both saying the same thing. We need a more integrated approach. And just real quick, the I think to answer the original question that you asked, which is that how did we get here where like doctors are just pushing pills? I just want to first say that the medical doctors that I know care so much about their patients. And the problem is that the system is really broken mm. and we're forced to work in a system. We can't change the system. There is no way for a doctor really to change the system because we walk into a room where at the negotiating table, there is the insurance companies, there is big pharma and guess who else is there? And they're actually weaker than the first two is the hospitals. The hospitals are way more powerful than the doctors. And the doctors, we have no way to really fight back because like in baseball, they don't like what they're getting paid. They go on strike. Doctors can't go on strike, mm. right? So we care. We care deeply. Um, if we cared about the money more than the patients, we would be bankers, mm. right? Sure. So, but, but I think that the, there's a historical context here that's very important for people to understand, which is that we have to go back to World War II. And during World War II, the biggest discovery in the history of medicine still to this day was penicillin, mm. right? And because the top causes of death prior to this discovery were all infections. Did people die from heart disease? Sure, but you were way more likely to die from an infection. And this like completely transformed healthcare because can you imagine if you were there and you were a doctor and you were like previously, you know, like putting leeches on people and stuff like that. And all of a sudden they discover a pill that can get rid of the top causes of death that you see. Crazy. Crazy. It's a pill, mm -hmm. right? So, of course, we, we were so seduced by this idea that a pill could transform our health that we doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on this idea. We built a healthcare system around this idea and we empowered, you know, pharmaceutical companies to create products and, and make a lot of money. And, you know, and now here we are and we need to walk it back. Yeah. But it's hard to do that. Well, yeah. I mean, essentially, it's become, in many ways, ignore the inputs. And then if you feel something, take this. We've created this to solve that for you, but nothing before it is really looked at. Right? And we're not even solving it, right? We're right. covering up the symptom. Right. Right? That's the issue. Like, we're not getting at the root of the problem. So, like, with you going back to this issue that you were just describing to us, let's pretend that you did poop, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which would be glorious. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, we don't have to dig into the details of this. Yeah, we can. Awesome. But I, I just want to yeah. keep it real that, like, we all we all poop except for my wife. 
and her dad. <laughs> and oh, yeah. We talked about this on. Yeah. Some people just don't. They don't poop. They don't fart. Okay. Miraculous. <laughs> That's, uh, but he's a ninja. Yeah. No. So. No, I'm proud of my pooping and farting. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we all do it. Right. And honestly, this is like, this is a completely normal, important, healthy bodily function. This is like our heart pumping. Sure. Right. This is our gut being in rhythm when we poop. And it's supposed to feel good. Right. Right. And when it becomes something that is holding us back, a burden, uncomfortable, not satisfactory, like it's supposed to be satisfactory. This is a great, this is a great blurb. I love this. So when that is the case, then, then that to me is a huge problem. Sure. And let's pretend that we go back to these pills and these pills get you to poop. You would have felt better. There is no doubt. You would have felt better. But did we fix the problem? No. Sure. Right. We did not. Right. And the problem, truly, if we look at this, requires a more holistic approach. Because if all we're going to do is focus on whether or not Daniela poops <laughs> today, right. right, then we're ignoring these other factors in your life which are affecting you sure. and affecting your gut and which you mentioned before. Yeah. I learned a lot about myself and thank goodness I was of age to have some sort of like awareness around what I was going through. It, it took time, but like what I learned was we have so many nerves, right? And so a lot of people, or at least myself, I can speak for myself, like when I'm stressed out, my anxiety typically like hits me kind of in my gut. And I also change my lifestyle when I'm stressed, right? So like maybe I'm not as aware of how much water I consume or, you know, my diet changes or maybe I'm not sleeping as well. And all of these things have an effect on like my gut. And so gut health became so prominent at that point that I realized that the only person that could have the most control over that was myself. And so I just did the things that I thought worked and kind of stayed consistent. And I healed my own gut over time with the right nutrition, the right supplements, the right lifestyle, the right daily habits, all of these things. And it, and that's why I think um, – I have this other outlook where I'm like, I just wish m more people talked more about their gut because it trickles down to everything, you know, like our actual like joy, the way that we approach our day, like, you know, mental health is affected all of it. Oh, I totally agree. I honestly think that the best way to start your day is a great satisfactory bowel movement. <laughs> Sh should that be before or after coffee? Because if we really want to drill into this, I, I can be transparent. I, I am. I am like clockwork. Yeah. Where I come down, I have my lemon water, I have a coffee direct, oh. directly after that, and it's yeah. no more than five minutes from that point, I'm ready to roll. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Lucky you. <laughs> Lucky you. You're, so that's okay. It's, so it's a, healthy, it's a healthy process, healthy thing. Well, our body thrives on rhythm. Okay. Right? When we are, on th when we are in rhythm, like just like a heart squeezing, I could, I could, if I took your heart out of rhythm, Andrew, mm -hmm. you're a good athlete, right? You might be able to run up and down stairs. I can make it so you can't even walk up a flight of stairs right. by taking your heart out of rhythm. Yeah. And the same is true with our gut. When our gut is in rhythm, then we're having those good, regular, complete, satisfactory bowel movements. Mm. Like, you know, like you're just feeling uh, that sense of bliss where it's like doves are flying in slow motion as you open I, the door. Daily. Like, yeah, you're just walking <laughs> out. You got that strut, you know? Yeah. So um, I think that's, that's really truly where we're supposed to be. But there are so many people out there that are feeling the way that you felt. And I honestly think, Daniela, that like these things, everything that you're describing here is you are describing your personal experience. And this is a summary of 20 years of gut health research. And this is the exact message that I'm out here pounding the drum, trying to get out to people, 
which is that like there are real people just like you i'm like i'm i'm i think it's incredibly brave of you to share this story you may you may think oh this is just what i talk about but like that is brave of you to share the story and there are so many people that can relate to this that are going through the same thing and there's physiologic reasons we could get super nerdy we could zoom in on what's happening inside your body to describe why a person who feels stress has this change towards constipation and is not able to have a bowel movement. But the, the point is this, like you identified appropriately that the pills were not going to fix this problem. You identified appropriately that this was a, the result of the stress and that it was affecting your sleep, affecting your exercise, affecting your diet. And by making modifications there, you were able to get yourself closer to back on track. That's beautiful. Totally. And like, I'm happy to say, you guys, I've been regular for probably, I mean, as long oh, as I've known Andrew and probably several years before <laughs> Andrew's that. taking credit for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, but it has a lot to do with finding some sort of balance and like happiness and like having a, uh, uh, I don't know, an affinity for life again. You know, I was, I felt so dragged down and just overwhelmed and burdened for, for being young and being thrown in the entertainment. You know, a lot of like things happen that I just felt like. You were 14 years old. Sure. Right? So, like, Andrew, out of curiosity, at what age in your life did you actually feel like you were the man that you were supposed to become? <laughs> uh, or has I, it not I, happened? I, it hasn't even happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, like, 22, 23, I was oh, really man. coming into my own. Yeah. See, for me, honestly, my 20s were so insecure mm. that, for me, it wasn't until I hit my 30s that I started to actually feel like the confident man that I was supposed to become. You're 14 years old when this was going down. You were supposed to be in an environment where you're allowed to grow and discover yourself with safety. Mm -hmm. And it's tough when you get tossed into an adult environment with expectations yeah. on a daily basis. Sure. Yeah. Um, what I think really helped me even more than anything else was yes, the awareness, but like, because I was, I was vegan and I cared a lot about what I was eating, though it was harder back then, even in LA, there weren't a ton of options and it's not like I drove yet. And like, you know, it's just kind of like, kind of had to figure it out on my own, but cut to now, you know, you talk a lot about plant-based lifestyle. You talk about a lot of the, the people in, in the community doing amazing things. What is really the correlation between living a plant-based lifestyle, eating a vegan diet primarily and the gut it's huge it's everything this is everything because because the if we get nerdy for a moment the key to gut health is that these microbes are as alive as you and i are and they need food and their preferred food is fiber fiber is found in plants all plants and mushrooms contain fiber and the problem is that this is not what people are eating so the average American's diet right now is only 10% plants, right? Like we talk about diets where like a pie in the sky, hey, but forget vegan for a moment. Like how about like 60% plant-based, right? Barely over 50%. People are way far away from that. And I was too. I was like less than 5% plant-based, right? Mm -hmm. So I think to move the needle towards this, for a person who, this is the person who I'm actually trying to connect with. Right? Like, my book is not actually written for vegans. They do go hoo and like start cheering. <laughs> but like, my book is written for the person that was me. Because mm. I want to connect with that person and I want them to hear this message that they could transform their health, transform their life, and get the results that I have had myself and that I've seen my patients experience. That's so empowering. And, and it's, 
yeah, I guess like it's exciting to hear that there's like what feels like an evolution, but sometimes I feel like I'm in a bubble, right? So like I hear a lot about all this positive movement in the vegan space and how many people are advocating for it, especially like someone like you speaks wonders because you come from a just such a powerful background where like for you to come out and stand and say, you know, this is a great lifestyle and I stand by this, people really are going to trust you. So I guess for me, I'm just wondering like, when you told me earlier before we even recorded that we're still so far away from people, you know, integrating into more of like a plant-based lifestyle that there are more people eating meat than ever before. I think I was shocked by that. Oh, it's, it's actually kind of disturbing and I don't know, like withdrawing any sort of like a vegan bias, right? Just quite simply, like picture this, the average person in the United States is eating their body weight plus a the size of a six-year-old child in meat on a yearly basis, right? Their nice. own body weight plus an extra 50 pounds mm. in meat mm. on a yearly basis, right? And this is, this is what the average American is doing right now. So despite this movement towards plant-based and veganism, and like it's easy to get into the echo chamber or the bubble, but despite that, the actual meat consumption in the United States is on the rise, not on the decline. And this is not to me about taking everyone and making them vegan. No, yeah, I, I think that. it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful thing. I love to me. Veganism is motivated by the ethics of it all, but this is as a medical doctor, I want people eating plants and I want that consuming the vast majority of their calories. And if everyone did that, right. If you, if you really love eating meat and you want to still have a burger or have a steak or whatever it may be, if you just make it way less common than you're currently doing, stop building your daily meal around this. Start making this more of a garnish and having meals that are completely plant-based. Number one, you're going to feel better, right? Like you're going to be energized almost instantaneously and you're going to notice your health-related issues are going to improve. That's number one. Number two, you are going to love this diet. It has all the colors, all the textures, all the flavors. Every single spice is plant-based and your taste buds will evolve. You may think I don't like that food, but your taste buds will evolve. And number three, you are moving towards a more sustainable diet so that we don't have to screw up this planet for our kids, right? Because think about if you're a parent, you start thinking about this. Mm -hmm. Like think about your kids, think about your grandkids. Is this going to be a disaster of a situation that we're leaving to them? Because they don't deserve that. Oh my God. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to touch on that. And a couple things that came up there. One, um, I can attest to to your taste buds and just your your needs changing. Because when I met her, I wasn't vegan at all. I was more like you back when you you know met your wife. Disaster. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think so at the time because, like you, like I was in the gym six days a week and I was all about protein, protein, protein. Kept my carbs down, my fat down, whatever. Right. Um. It took her eight years to finally push me over the edge. And then I committed to going completely vegan for three months at the start. I ended up doing it for a year or two years, something like that. I don't even know if I said this on the show yet. Like once in a while now I'll have a piece of fish or something like that. Sure. Um, And it's just, it's my own journey that I'm going through. And this is a side conversation. But I can attest to like over time, once I committed, what I desired changed completely. Yeah. Like I, I look at almost everything I used to eat so differently. And in many cases, like 
don't need it at all. And in many cases, like I look at it and it's, it's nothing as desirable as it, as it used to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, and I think it's very important for people to understand that this is not requiring you to make a decision that this is an all or nothing phenomenon. Agree. I feel that's very overwhelming to people. If you are like 10% plant-based, like the average American to be told that you have to be vegan is like, yo, that's not going to happen. Never going to happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I would have said. That's never going to happen. Now, with great respect to the people who are vegan for ethical reasons, right? Which I think is a beautiful thing. I'm here to talk about health. Mm -hmm. I'm a medical doctor. And from my perspective, it's not just that you have to be 100% vegan in order to be healthy. That would not be true. But the more plant-based that you are, the more healthy that you're going to be. And when you get to 80 or 90% plant-based, you see that there is this opportunity where it's like, you know what? I could go for it. And that is a beautiful thing when you feel that you are fully aligned in terms of not only um, what you're eating for your personal health, but also fully aligned in the ethics of what you're choosing to consume. So, but, you know, Andrew, to your point, like eating some fish once in a while, like, dude, this is a super healthy diet, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. And I, I, you can easily fall into the trap and I'm going to jump around here a bit, but so many things have come up for me. Like this has become a mental struggle over the last couple of years as well, where it's like at times I've wanted certain things, but then my ethics will kick in and I'll literally feel guilty before I've even done anything. And it's crazy. You know, it's like, and then I start thinking if you're at that point, like how healthy is what you're doing? Cause now mentally you're struggling a bit. So I've, I've had to try to work through that, but I a hundred percent agree. I think, I think one of the negatives of the the vegan or plant-based movement is that it's an all or nothing thing. And that's what you hear. And I think I agree with you that for most people, that's going to be a never going to happen thing. And I also don't like it when the pitchforks come out and we start chasing after a person because they had a piece of fish. Right. Right. Like, I just think that that's completely absurd. Why are we taking down our own? We need a whole lot of really bad vegans <laughs> yeah. in order to accomplish our goal, right? We don't need the 1% that we currently have. That's how I feel. And I, I'm going to stand on my, I don't know, I'm, I've been vegan 23 years or something and I am ethically a vegan, yes. And health I, is very important and the environment is very important. So I kind of feel like over time, even though I started initially just because ethically this is what I wanted to do, um, I've learned a lot more about why else I am vegan, but I, I wish that there was so much more open compassion and understanding for just people who want to eat more plants, but also not miss out on other things that they're used to consuming. Because I truly believe, like you've said, right over time, we will evolve and you will gravitate towards things that make you feel best. Right. And like those things will just change on their own. And that's for everyone else to do. Like you said, you have your journey. Like I respect everyone's journey, but I just rather there be more open dialogue and more acceptance around people just making little changes and embracing those people for those changes because if more people did we wouldn't have those extremes like you said the one percent of the vegans can't be holding it down this is overwhelming for us yeah and the other thing that we see is we see these people who are, who are trying to shoehorn themselves into a vegan lifestyle 
and it's not a fit for them. Right. And there can be a number of different reasons why that's that that happens, and that's okay. Can those be those can be medical reasons? Sure. There can I'm be assuming, medical right. reasons, okay. right? And they, and so and they just push too hard, too fast, and and they force themselves into this a hundred percent paradigm where it's like if you just took it one step at a time in the exact same way that you did in the mm-hmm. exact same Andrew in the same way that I did right you take it one step at a time and you listen to your body you allow your body to lead you mm-hmm. and you find what works for you that's what I'm about I just but at the same time I want people to understand the way that our biology is and how our gut thrives on fiber so in this journey to find what works for us we have to also embrace these rules of science that are out there yeah so um okay i'm of the same mindset 100 percent. like i i wholeheartedly at this point in my life believe that we should all be pushing to eat way more plants than we do the the fact that you said average american only eats plants as 10 percent of their diet is like mind-blowing to me you can look at the way that that uh, veganism or a plant-based lifestyle is being pushed in so many different directions right now. But if we're still at a 10% number in your mind, like how do we really move the needle? Because I think that it's important for us to get there, but how do we get there? I think it's, I think it's, so I don't think there's one way. All right. I have a different approach to this than some of the other, some, than some of my colleagues, right? Some of my colleagues are far more like, Hey, it's a hundred percent or nothing. Right. And that actually works with some people. Let's not pretend that it doesn't. There definitely are some. So I think that what it is, is it's different voices, a variety, a diversity of different voices speaking out and presenting their arguments or their information in a way. So Daniela comes forward to her followers and she talks about being vegan for more than 20 years. There are people who are being inspired by hearing that message. Right. And that's not the same as me going out there and being like, you know, super nerdy with my fiber stuff, (laughs) talking about the gut microbiome. But this is, I think, I just think that there are different ways for us to get out to the 8 billion people on this planet to find what works for them. How do you approach this with your family? Because you're a dad and now I'm sure your wife is likely still vegetarian. Mm -hmm. Okay. So how do you approach this as a family? Because it is um, something that we've talked about recently and I've never actually talked about it on the podcast before, but like making decisions for your kids feels, especially health related decisions feels like your responsibility, but sometimes it, it comes, there's a fine line where you're, you're at a birthday party. There's things there that, you know, our son Gio now wants, you know, he asked for a quesadilla the other day and Andrew had this brilliant conversation that I didn't even applaud you on, but you said something along the lines of like, you've actually never had this kind of quesadilla before and it may not agree with your tummy and it may make you feel kind of sick. So we're going to have this instead. Um, is this the right approach? Like, and how do we, how do we have this like healthy relationship around food in a family dynamic? So that way we raise kids that eat primarily plant-based or that 80, 90% on their own. And it comes from their own decision. So, um, First of all, I don't know that there is a right approach, right? As parents, I'm sure you guys have experienced and I have experienced my, my kids, my daughter is seven and my son is five. Um, there is no right approach. We're all just doing our best. Yeah. Right. So at the end of the day, you do your best and you just kind of accept that there's going to be some bumps in the road, right? Uh, what has worked with our kids? So 
first of all, we we don't put too much pressure on them where we like freak out if hypothetically they were to eat that quesadilla or they go to a party. Like all the time it happens where they go to a party and the only thing that's being served is Chick-fil-A nuggets, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like we don't put too much pressure on them where if hypothetically they ate that, then we would you know yell at them yeah. or pitch a fit or make a big deal out of it. But we do explain it to them. So my mm-hmm. kids are a little bit older and, and we explain to them, you know, that is a chicken. And you wouldn't want to hurt that chicken, would you? Mm. Right? And so to my kids, they really relate well to that. And they go, no, I don't, I wouldn't. And they'll admit, like, when they've tried it, they're like, it tastes good. They're like, yeah, it tastes good, but that was a chicken and we don't want to hurt that chicken, do we? Wow. And so, and so my kids have really bought into that philosophy. Now, they are not perfect. They do not have a perfect diet. I think that a very big thing, part of my message to the world, not just with regard to our kids, but like literally to every single person who's listening listening to us right now is that perfect does not exist. It does not exist. This is a figment of the human imagination. And yet we're striving towards this thing that doesn't exist. And we're, we're um, hurting ourselves and making ourselves miserable trying to be this thing that you could, you're never going to get there. So with our own kids, we have to create this wiggle room. And I'll just tell you that having been through this through the years with my kids, there's ebbs and flows when it comes to diets. There's times when they're just like smashing everything you want them to smash. You know, you throw those like berries and that smoothie in front of them and it disappears in two seconds. And then there's the times where it's like, I'm not eating this. I want mac and cheese. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think you just got to roll with the flow, go with the punches. But what's interesting is that here we are years later and my daughter is the most evangelical out of all of us. (laughs) So she has converted our babysitter. Wow. Yeah. So like she has conversations with the babysitter about it. So, and not in a way that's like judgmental, but just very warm and educational. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I was a, I was a young vegetarian turned vegan at one point and, um, it was certainly the, the truth, the, the, the realization that sealed the deal. Like I didn't have to know anymore like i at the time didn't know that it was any healthier to not eat it i probably wasn't eating healthy because i didn't know what to eat as a five-year-old who didn't eat meat you know like i'd eat whatever was available a lot of pasta to be honest i wasn't proud of it but it was a good time (laughs) so it's cool to hear that like you know we've we've come a long way and i think living by example is probably the the best approach Mm, you know for your kids like i I think about it because i I sometimes i'm hard on myself and i'm like wow like i had a very different idea of how i was going to feed my kids and i feel like i'm slipping right like i thought for sure i'd be the type to have you know smoothies going on daily and like life gets chaotic and you really have to sort of like prioritize how you're going to approach the day and oftentimes like i have to make some food in a in a pinch or in a moment's time and like it doesn't always want it's not always as balanced as i'd like right yeah but i'm getting through it and it's nice to hear that like you're right perfect just it doesn't exist but i think if you're doing it is the best you can that's better than you know that's just keeping it real and that's one of the things that i appreciate about about the way that you guys present your content on social media which is that you're not trying to pretend that this is like the perfect thing (laughs) you're showing like how crazy and hectic being a young parent is and i think we all can relate to that so because having been a parent myself like i i get it yeah um, before we head out, this this has been amazing. By the way, I wish we dug more into poop because I think that conversation is <laughs> so, so interesting. I know we did the first time around, so uh, if you didn't hear Doctor B come on the first time, flip back through the episodes. He's there. Um, 
I want to talk more about your message and, and sort of step back to the start of the conversation. So your life, at least from a professional standpoint, has changed completely. You walked away from the practice where it was easy to uh, present your message on a day-to-day basis, but on a one-on-one basis with your clients, your your uh, patients as they would come in, right? right? And you had been building this social media. You had written a book, which is done great. Um, but what does it look like now for you to pound this message now that you've, you know, like your life has completely changed? Yeah. You know, the the tricky part for me, Andrew, is that this was my dream was to be a medical doctor, right? Like I literally made this decision when I was about 16 years old and I spent 16 years from the day I started college to when I finished, I was 34 years old. I never took a day off, never took a year off. Wow. 34 years old to get the education that I needed. Now I don't feel like I'm walking away from that, but I I feel like what I'm doing is I'm walking towards the opportunity to try to impact millions of people. That's what I'm trying to do. But I, you know, I did feel weird as I was like shutting down the clinic and realizing, wow, like this is the last time I'm ever, I'm going to take call. I've been taking call for 18 years, like continuously. And, um, this thing happened that I can only describe as I have these moments where I feel like God or possibly my dad are trying to talk to me. That's cool. And, um, cause I lost my dad in January of 2020 and very unexpectedly. And there have been these interesting moments where I feel like he's reaching out. So I had this moment, like, I'm not kidding. This was the last day at work and a tweet comes through and I'm not a big Twitter guy. I don't have like, don't try to follow me on Twitter cause I'm not there. Or, or if you follow me, it's just like me, like following fantasy football accounts. <laughs> All right. So, but this tweet comes through and it's about this guy named Dan Patrick, who was the um, head sports center anchor on ESPN back in the nineties. Like he was the guy and I'm like, Oh my gosh, Dan Patrick. Like I haven't seen you in 20 years. You got great hair. Where have you been, man? And he pops through on this on this tweet. And I'm wondering, oh my gosh, like I loved him in the 90s, but then he wasn't there in the 2000s. He disappeared. And he's doing a podcast where he's being interviewed. And he says to the guy, I'm, and I'm not kidding. This is literally my last day of work. And I'm feeling like, you know, am I making the right choice here? Yeah. Right. And the, he's talking in this podcast where he says to the guy, I walked into ESPN and they had a contract on the table for millions of dollars. But my daughters were 9, 11, and 13 years old. And I said to the president of ESPN, I'm walking away. Mm-hmm. And the president of the ESPN shrugged it off like there's no way this guy's actually saying this. What do we have to do to finalize this deal? And Dan Patrick said, no, 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 seriously, I'm going home. And he went home to be there with his daughters because he knew that they were not again, nine, 11 and 13 years old. He wanted to be home with his kids. Yeah. It's amazing. And here he is 20 years later, he walked away from millions of dollars and he's saying on this podcast, it was the best decision he ever made in his life. That's so cool. And so I was sitting there on that day and I was like, this is what I needed to hear. Yeah. It makes me think of that. That's a great story. 
um, it makes me think of like all these guys, like a Steve Jobs, like all these like uber successful people. Like the only thing that they've said as their life has come to an end really like revolves around spending more time with your, your family and your loved ones. Right. Yeah. And that's, I can totally relate. Cause that's, that's how I felt when Gio was born. And that, that was big reason why I made that decision. So that's so cool for you. And I, you know, I definitely don't want to make it sound like you're walking away and it's a negative thing. Cause it's not, cause there's so much opportunity in front of you. And like, you've built a platform for yourself. That's amazing. Uh, you know, fiber fuel has done, great but you have a new book coming out as well yes i have a new book coming out it's called the fiber fields cookbook and it's kind of interesting i made a deal with my publisher to do a cookbook thinking this would be easy Mm -hmm. right i was like oh they'll just throw together some recipes and some photos and then like (laughs) and then because the recipes like i don't make the recipes i have um alex caspero who's a registered dietitian and, and a recipe expert so like she'll make the recipes, someone else will do the photography and I'll just write like a little introduction. Right. But I couldn't help it. Uh, I saw the opportunity to use this as an, op- as, as a way to try to use my education to help people. And so I actually view this, like you would never write a book called the fiber fueled toolkit, but I kind of see this as a toolkit for gut health in fiber fueled. I told people why they should care. In this book, I'm going to tell you how to do it. So and cool. So it's got 125 recipes, but embedded in the recipes, like there are things that I want to do to help people who have food intolerances. And the only way to do that is with recipes. This is what's holding your doctor back. Like your doctor wants to fix this problem, but no doctor has like a stack of 30 recipes to hand to their patient. So I can create a stack of 30 recipes to hand to you through this book. And so there's a protocol for low FODMAP. There's a protocol for low histamine, Mm. which are two common causes of food intolerances. And I teach you in the book, like exactly what the deal is with these things and how to go about doing them. But also there's recipes, like if you're, if you just want to enjoy delicious food, like whether you're plant-based or you're not plant-based, I don't care. You just want to enjoy delicious, delicious food. Yo, I got you. Nice. All right. Tons of delicious recipes. You need that. Food from around the world. And then the other thing is like there's new science emerging showing us how important fermented foods are for gut Mm. health. Huge study came out of Stanford last summer that everyone is talking about. So I teach you how to ferment. Cool. I teach you how to make sourdough bread. That would be fun to do with kids, I feel like. A little like, you know. They love it. And the other thing that you can do with kids that's fun is you can teach them how to sprout. Oh, so yes. when you sprout lentils, literally, in it's so easy to do, and I teach you how to do this in the book. In three days, you can take a half of a cup of dried lentils, and they will turn into four cups of sprouted lentils. Whoa. Yeah, in like room temperature water, right? Yeah, and it's literally it's a garden on your counter. So cool, right? And it's and it can be organic, and it's fresh produce, and it's delicious and nourishing for your gut microbes. It's everything that we want in food. And it's not expensive, and it's easy to do, and it's fun. Do you um, – side note, just because we're talking about spouting. Do you eat a lot of raw foods? Uh, some. So I, like, I'm not of the belief that we should be exclusively one yeah. or the other. No. So there was an interesting study that came out of the University of California, San Francisco, Peter Turnbaugh. So again, I'm going to get nerdy for a moment here. And basically, they fed people the exact same food, but one was cooked and one was not. And what they found is that the cooked food had a different effect on the gut microbiome. 
So the point from my perspective is why go all raw Yeah. when you could have it raw and cooked, right? And if you're going to cook it, nibble on a little bit raw sure. as you're cooking it. That way you're feeding all the microbes. We want basically all the microbes to be eating. Yeah, I love that theory. I went raw for a short period of time and um, I felt good. You know, I felt okay. It wasn't sustainable for me um, and it wasn't enjoyable. And I think if food isn't enjoyable, then I feel like you're missing out on an entirely like different piece about eating um, that I think plays a role, like I said, in the gut. Because if you're not enjoying what you're eating and like, I don't know, your sal I'm going to totally go off on a whim, but like if your salivatory glands aren't like, mm, this is delicious, then there has to be some sort of digestion issue that could have come from that. Like, that's just like where my head was at. And I'm like, you know what? I thoroughly enjoy food and I'm taking some of the enjoyment away. Like, I want a warm bowl of soup. I want a steaming hot pizza. Like, I don't know. So I, just I totally I agree. I think that there needs to be joy in food. Yeah, we are. We are this is meant to be just like a great bowel movement. <laughs> this is supposed to full be circle. right. We're going to go full circle. Here's what we all need. We need a good <laughs> cup of coffee, a fantastic bowel movement and some delicious food. And then we're happy campers, you know, yes. to start our day. Yeah. Right. So That's where it's at. I just yeah, I just think that life is too short to not be enjoying our food. And I feel like there's a lot of people who they may not like qualify as having an eating disorder per se, but they have a disordered relationship with with their food where like food is causing stress food mm -hmm. is causing anxiety and maybe we don't call that anorexia sure, sure but you still have like lost the joy in the food we need to get back to the joy yeah so and by the way real quick with the constipation like that is one of the top causes of food intolerances mm. in fact in the book in the new book the fiber field cookbook i talk about what i call the big three of food sensitivity and one of them is constipation. I give like a full breakdown on it because the issue is that like if you were to go on a raw diet, a raw vegan diet, and you're super constipated, you are going to be miserable. <laughs> yeah. Right? So we need to know the right approach because this is, I think, part of what happens when people quit veganism mm. is that they don't understand actually what's happening with their body. They think, oh, I'm constipated, so I need to go vegan in order to fix my constipation. For some people, it works. But for some people, it makes them miserable. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because we need to address the constipation first. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of the term intuitive eating? Uh-huh. Yeah. What do you, how do you define that? Well, intu intuitive is kind of like listening to your body, right? And I think that there is a place for us being intuitive. But at the same time, we have to recognize the science where, it, where it's going to lead us, right? Mm -hmm. If we do a purely intuitive approach, it can mislead us in life, right? Sure. Like if – if, uh, an purely intuitive approach was the best thing in all cases, then we would all be doing cocaine. <laughs> this is why I won't try it, okay? Because intuitively, it might be my thing. <laughs> I've never tried it because I'm like a total goody two-shoes. <laughs> Me but, too. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I'm just worried. I'm just... Uh, this no, is, I This is you. an example where it's like, it's fun, it's good, you feel great. Okay, that doesn't mean that it's good for you. Sure, sure, sure. Right? Yeah, there's so many levels to that, yeah. And when it comes to our food, this is where I get worried. I am so sorry that I know we're trying to close out the show. No, it's okay. I'm, like I'm interested. Busting open the can of worms here. But like the, the problem is that what we have been sold for the last 10 years is restrictive diets, right? Like close it down, reduce it, don't eat it, right? And it's intuitively that makes sense. If let's call it uh, beans, like if beans cause trouble, then kick the beans to the curb and move on with your life. Unfortunately, that's not the way that our body works, 
And it's important for people to understand this part of it because if you were purely intuitive, you would kick the beans to the curb. And I get why people do that. But this is conceptually similar to like a person who can't tolerate beans. First of all, you have a gut health issue. That is not normal, Mm, right? Love hearing this. Yeah. So you have a gut health issue. We need to fix that. Mm-hmm. And you are not in a position where you are incapable of tolerating those beans. You can tolerate those beans, mm. but we need to be smart about how we go out doing it, yes. right? So if you have a gut health issue, let's make an analogy to an injured knee, all right? I'm playing basketball. I twist my knee. I got two choices. I got two choices in terms of how I approach this. I'm going to give you guys both choices, and then you tell me which one you're going to choose, all right? Here's the first choice. You stop walking. forever now you will not feel any pain i want the other choice and the second choice is i get you hooked up with like a fantastic physical therapist and they work with you and you fortify that knee you strengthen it and then we get you back out on the basketball court but the problem is that in that process, you might feel some pain. I just have to warn you. What do you think, Daniela? I'm, I'm going to probably go with the physical therapist. <laughs> Andrew, what are you doing? Option two. Right. So it's like so obvious to us sure. with regard to this, right? But if we did a purely intuitive approach where it's like the choices that we're trying to avoid pain at all costs, mm-hmm. you would stop walking. But the problem is you stop walking and then the muscles above and below the knee get weaker, right? And you become sedentary. And then you gain weight and you have metabolic issues and then you get heart disease or whatever health issue comes down the pipe. Obviously, that's a disaster. And at the same time, you can't play basketball anymore. Yeah. Right? And then there's no fun. There's no fun. So you have, to, you have to repair and restore. And that's what we're talking about with the gut. A person who can't tolerate that food, if you're purely intuitive, you would kick it to the curb. But kicking to the curb is not fixing the issue. It's avoiding the issue. Love that. And I love that you said that because I have heard so many times from people when they see how I eat, like, oh, I could never eat like you because that just wouldn't agree with me. Almost all of my meals people look at and they're like, how do you, that would, I would be bloated. I would be this. I would be that. Like, I wouldn't be able to digest that. I'd be farting all day. <laughs> I'm like, is, I don't know. I don't just, I'm used to it. This is literally what my new book is about because Perfect. the thing is, it's not about like, hey, let's give you Daniela's plate and have you eat it today. This is about plotting a course that's personalized to you where we point the compass in the right direction and then we walk that path with confidence knowing that we're doing the right thing. And that kind of plays into the Zoe app, yes? Like similar sort of concept where it's like very – Personalized. Yeah, personalized. Yes. So the thing about Zoe is that – so Zoe is a personalized nutrition company and – I actually just accepted the position as the U.S. medical director. Cool. Congrats. So, yeah. So this is a and big thank part. thank you. <laughs> so uh, anyway, with, with Zoe, the deal is, Daniela, that when we do these clinical studies, like we see people who, you know, you could give people a vegan diet and a keto diet, right, in a clinical trial. And on the vegan diet, the average person loses four pounds. But what do you say to the person who gained five pounds on the vegan diet? What do you say to the person who lost 20 pounds on the keto diet? Do you tell them that they were wrong? Mm. Right? So this is where Zoe comes in, which is that rather than giving people just general ideas, let's actually find a personal approach that actually taps into your unique biology. And a big part of what makes you unique is your microbiome. So believe it or not, your genetic code is literally less than 1% human. Wow. 99.5% of your genetic code comes from your gut, these gut microbes. This is your code. And so what if we can tap into that power to then say, hey, Daniela, like 
here's the foods that are optimal for you. And here's the ones that we're not saying you don't eat. We're not saying you like kick it to the curb. We're saying just be more careful with these foods, consume them in moderation, right? So Zoe, what they do is they combine gut microbiome testing with a continuous glucose monitor that you wear for a week with also blood lipid testing. And you enter into the app what you're eating. Wow. And when you enter it into the app, it's basically I keep in tabs like, okay, when, when Daniela eats this, this is what happens, right? And we can put this into a supercomputer where now we have thousands of people that have been a part of Zoe. So every single person who participates is contributing to research mm. that helps other people. It's like a social thing. That's cool. So by all, all of us going in, like if we only had 10 people, it, w- it wouldn't yeah. be very good. But when we have thousands of people, then we can give it very robust recommendations on what is the personal approach that works best for you. So, and by the way, if anyone wants to check this out and learn more about it, just go to joinzoe.com slash Dr. B. And there is a code there. I'm not usually a, hey, drop the code kind of guy, but I am in the interest of saving people money and that code will save you money. Cool. Oh, there's a code just when you go onto the website? Yeah, if you up. if you do slash Dr. B instead of just joinzoe.com gotcha. and you do slash Dr. B, then you will see a code there. It's I think it's will be 10 or Dr. Will be 10. It's one of the two, but you'll see it there. And basically that saves you money. Awesome. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, anything else you want to add? Or anything you want to add? <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add? I mean, I'm just honored to be here. Oh. Dude, we're, we're honored to have you, man. This is really cool. So, and I'm glad that we got to come out and do this in person. Oh, you know, too. it's really great. I, I think it's like so much better because then it, we can have like a great conversation. Agree. As opposed to it being like lobbing questions that mm-hmm. just go on for 10 minutes, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're very happy to include you in our, our circus of a life here. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks for taking the trial run. Yeah. My pleasure. And thank you everyone at home for checking this out, listening. Yes. And, um, let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can get your book in May, all the things. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram as the Gut Health MD. I'm also on Facebook as the Gut Health MD. I am not on Twitter unless you like, well, like you know, me watching fantasy football, football stuff uh, and talking about Dan Patrick. <laughs> so unless you're into that, um, and you can find my website is theplantfedgut.com. I have courses. Um, I have a constipation course that you could literally sign up and take starting right now if you're listening. And um, so, yeah. And then my new book is called The Fiber Fields Cookbook. You're not required to read Fiber Field in order to do it. But, and again, like this is for everyone. I just want to basically empower you guys with high quality information so that you can make smart choices in your own life and, and find a way that works for you that brings you great joy. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Awesome. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Adulting Like a Mother Father. New episodes drop every Tuesday right here, so make sure you tune in for all the goods. 